0: 3 two, 1 zero zero, 0 0 From the studios of WORQ in Wisconsin, this is the Stand Up For The Truth Podcast.
1: Today's issues, overlooked headlines, and biblical observations, equipping the remnant around the globe. Got your sword handy? This is Stand Up For The Truth. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Mary, good morning. Good morning.
0: June is flying by,
1: isn't it? Y- yes. Wow. It's, it's the 20th. I know. June I 20th today. Um, hey, great job with the podcast recently and, and great guests. Good, So kudos. Enjoyed the guests yeah.
0: very, very much.
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, well, the big news, not big news, but um, I had the chance to start my brand new book. So I've, I'm a couple chapters in. I'm still goofing with the introduction and trying to figure out what the title is going to be, but um, I'm excited to continue to plow away and write as uh, things need to be written about. But um, we've got a lot of things to tackle today. Um, We're going to go to talk about promise keepers. We're going to talk about um, United States parents involved in education. We're going to talk about how the federal government used evangelical leaders to spread COVID propaganda Two churches. So we've been wanting to bring this up for a while. Finally, we're going to tackle this issue. This came out last year. Wow. Oh. Um, then we're going to talk about Rick Warren and uh, 12 points refuting some of his rhetoric in this open letter to all Southern Baptists <laughs> and, uh, yeah, women pastors. Also, um, yeah, Oh. okay, nearly all tw- top 25 worship songs are tied to five megachurches in the past (laughs) decade. Now I know you mentioned Hillsong, Bethel a little bit last week, talked about that. So we'll we'll just mention this very fascinating. uh, It's kind of like a conglomerate almost Mm -hmm. in worship music. But let's kick it off with this one you brought to my attention, Mayor. I'm going to just read the title and let you go with it. Madison, Wisconsin could become the nation's first sanctuary for trans- and non-binary children, what, what the heck? yeah um this article is provided by Four Winds
0: Christian Athletics. They are a uh, worldwide sports ministry they're headquartered in Madison okay. It starts out uh saying um uh oh and the president is Steve McConkey all right, so it says one of the most radical counties in the u s Dane County in Wisconsin could declare sanctuary status for transgender and non binary individuals also children could transition without parental consent. Dane county is uh home of Madison, the capital of Wisconsin. Okay. The resolution says it is a fundamental right for children to access sex reassignment drugs Shh. and medical procedures to remove body parts for transgender transitioning. Fundamental right. Fundamental right. And Steve McConkey, who... A little bit about him. In 2003, he started fighting against the International Olympic Committee's transgender policies, and he's the only one who stood against it publicly. So he's been at the forefront of this fight for much longer than I anticipated. Um, he says, no government entity owns our kids, including federal, state, or local governments. The radical LGBTQ religion is out to destroy the family, resulting in weakening the U.S., the nation is adrift, and people need to stand up uh, as never before. And then it talks just briefly about transgender transgender LGBTQ dangers. Uh, number one, there are no genes or genetic material corresponding to being gay. Um, uh, number two, 0.3% of U.S. people claim to be transgender. Suicides among young people have increased significantly since 2010 in states that have a policy allowing minors to as- access Transgender care. Um, Also, transitioning men and women may have a higher heart attack risk, according to George Washington University. Blood clots and stroke among transgender women is very high. Hmm. Uh, Kids getting permanent body parts removed to identify with their imagined sex. uh, That's part of it. And then uh, finally, it says gay men account for 83% of primary and secondary syphilis cases. And then there's other STDs and things that they get. Um, so he just outlines a little bit of, of the dangers here. But Madison, Wisconsin, David.
1: Well, I want to go back to a couple things and point that out. First mm-hmm. of all, thank you, President Steve McConkie, for labeling them what they are, the radical LGBTQ religion. Mm-hmm. It is a religion. It is a cult of sexual ideology. And, and what I was surprised when you brought this to my attention today, Um, McConkie started fighting against the International Olympic Committee's transgender policies 20 years ago, in 2003. Uh, So Mm -hmm. he was the only one who stood against this policy, apparently. And again, um, so pray for President Steve McConkie of Four Wins Christian Athletes, the number four, Um, I didn't, I wasn't aware of this. I knew what was going on in the Olympics. I didn't realize it went back to 2003 when it came to transgender policies. So, friends, this is not new. This is not something that we're just now seeing in our public schools. Mm -hmm. This was taking place in the Olympics and their policies and their committees. Um, And I I want to say I posted something. In fact, um, I've got a new article over at Harbinger's Daily, and I want to share what one of my uh, leftist Christian Friends, now, I don't believe she's a Christian because it's, she doesn't believe in the Christian worldview, but she says she reads the Bible and she is she calls herself a Christian. and this is a friend from California that um, I occasionally interact with, but she, I put this article out. Studies reveal Two new studies came out. Today's post truth generation and in LGBTQ individuals are at higher risk for suicide mm-hmm. than ever before in history. In fact, they are three times a greater risk for suicide attempts. Uh, there has been a 60, mm-hmm. 60% increase in suicide uh, ideology and, 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 and the attempts and the, 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 the sadness, the depression. Um, 60% increase in the last 10 years. So this person said, David, your rhetoric is causing people to kill themselves. So, friend, if you're a Bible-believing Christian, mm. um, and I can't state that any other way because either you believe all of God's Word, the whole counsel of God, from Genesis to Revelation, including what is discussed about creation, God's existence, creation, gender, family, marriage, um, if, if and sexual promiscuity when it comes to adultery, fornication, Homosexuality. If you if you are a Bible-believing Christian, you are now being called or blamed for youth suicide attempts because of the depression of gay and lesbian and LGBTQ individuals. There's a segment of the population that's targeting you and I, and this was someone I've had conversations with. I knew her um, in, in California. I've had a, a couple years ago I, I tried to talk to her about her worldview and, and how she's she kind of skewed far left and still says she's a Christian. Um, and so we've got to define Christian, we've got to define what the Bible teaches and clearly uh, talk about that from God's Word. So when we look at these issues, the transgender issue, um, it yes, there are a lot of problems now today because we did not speak out as a church and say, wait a minute, We love you, however, this is what the Bible says. That's our authority, and this is what we believe. And if you just do that, Mm -hmm. just go that far, this is what the Bible says. It's our authority, the final authority in our lives, and this is what we believe and stand on. Yeah. You are going to, in fact, we're going to talk about the Southern Poverty Law Center mm-hmm. soon. We're going to talk about that in this segment, and then probably again on Thursday. But go ahead, Mary, I'll Let you point well, out whatever you want. and
0: their ideology—if if if things don't go the way they should—I mean, they've embraced this ideology. Oh, who are we going to blame? Well, oh, we're going to blame the Christians, and you know, yeah. the Christians get blamed for pretty much everything at the end of the day, or yeah. will. Yeah, you know, that's still coming. But the fact that they. <clears throat> They don't take responsibility, and this is classic liberalism anyway. We don't take responsibility for the outcomes of what we believe, and we we can't govern our emotions, so we're going to make you govern our emotions for us. And it's, you know, that's never, ever going to
1: work. Okay, point E here in this article. Gay men account for 83% of primary and secondary syphilis cases. They get other STDs, sexually transmitted diseases, including chlamydia and gonorrhea. And HPV, um, the most common STD in the United States. It's also a concern for gay men, and then it goes on. So it's talking about they're seventeen times, seventeen mm-hmm. times more likely to get anal cancer. Are you blaming Christians for that? No, I'm serious. Um, men who are HIV positive are even more likely to get anal cancer. Gay men account for seventy-seven zero. Of all new HIV cases, 63% of all HIV cases are among gay men. That's according to the Center for Disease Control. So I do not know how my uh, leftist um, Democrat Christian friend, and I put Christian in quotes, I don't know how she would react to this from the CDC talking about gay men and the results of homosexual Sex and how it it is literally causing cancer and killing men and you know women too. But um, so I'm really I'm saddened by this, but I'm thankful for this this uh, man Steve McClonkey McConkey, I'm sorry M C C O N K E Y of Four Winds Christian Athletics because I didn't realize man he he was uh, trying to raise awareness twenty years ago when uh, the International Olympic Committee was talking about their policies. Right, and
0: they wanted to have this uh, internationally, but now look in 20 years how it's come down to the local level. And, high schools and NCAA and all that. So it's taken a while for it to filter down. But he saw the writing on the wall, is my guess. Yep. And it started out as just an international issue, and now here we are.
1: Okay, Mayor, next article, low-hanging fruit. Christian College. This is a press release from Promise Keepers, by the way. <laughs> and Mayor has a few thoughts to share about Promise Keepers. I do. Christian College cancels Promise Keepers event over... What? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Think. Stop right there. Christian College cancels... Promise Keepers event. Why? Because of their stance on biblical marriage. So there's a um, couple things to get into here. First of all, thank you uh, for taking a stand on natural marriage between one man and one woman. We call that God-ordained Biblical marriage. They have redefined marriage. You can get a certificate calling it whatever you want nowadays, but it is not biblical marriage. So, Mary, go go ahead. What are your concerns about Promise Keepers?
0: Well, and I didn't actually – haven't heard of them in a while. It seemed like in the late 90s and early ooze we had a lot of um, (laughs) – Early Ooze. The (laughs) ooze. I don't know what else to call it. The 2000s. The 2000s. Okay. (laughs) Ooh. Yeah. Um, We we had a lot of uh, information, a lot of – Alarm bells! Discernment ministries are going after promise keepers, and Bill McCartney, who's the founder, why? Uh, Because they are very ecumenical. We were talking earlier off Mike about unity. Well, that's what they're all about. They have uh, they want to appeal to as many men as possible, and their focus is families and the family and the marriage and and keeping you know being being a man in today's culture. So that that part of it makes sense. A godly leader in your family, yes, Yes. that makes sense with this headline, but also. Promise Keepers I I could never endorse Promise Keepers because they have uh Catholics on the board they have changed their basic mission statement um uh not by faith alone not by works they they took that out by faith in Jesus Christ they put back they put in so they sanitized it a little bit so they don't and they send the men who attend back to their home churches no matter what that is so there's really no concern or mm. direction regarding the, the the narrow, narrower okay. doctrines that we would
1: ascribe to. Okay, well, this was in, in at Belmont University, and um, it's a private Christian college in Nashville, Nashville, and they announced that they had to cancel the event uh, to be hosted by Promise Keepers after a, the Men's Ministry released a statement reaffirming its support for the biblical, biological. Sexual identity of male and female, man and woman, in the context of marriage. That's interesting. So you've got, wait a minute, you've got a Christian organization and a Christian college at odds? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gets messy. Doesn't it is it?
0: a little bit messy around the edges because I would have canceled them for other reasons. Because I would expect them to be pro marriage. I would expect that one thing out of promise keepers, if nothing else. But everything else just falls apart after that. So mm. it is a kind of a strange yeah. uh, Christian college. You'd have to go back and actually find out who this Christian mm. college is and what they believe. Anybody can be called a Christian
1: college. I don't know anything about. Yes, them. I'm glad you said um, that, um, and that's another warning for those yeah. of you who have. Uh, teenagers uh, in high school, getting ready to graduate. Um, I know you don't want to send them to the godless, secular, Marxist, social justice university systems that Uh are progressive in America. You'd rather send them to a private or a Christian college. Whoa, (laughs) hold on here, because you've got to do your legwork and your due diligence when you look into every Christian college. Some of them are good, but many of them have compromised. We've I mean, we haven't read a recent story, but there's a lot of them out there that yeah. have compromised on certain issues, yeah. Just sadly. Careful. Just be careful. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So one more story real quick, and then we're going to open up a big can. <laughs> um, United States Parents Involved in Education. They're, they First of all, uh, they put out a great documentary called Truth and Lies in American Education. Alex Newman is a part of that Um Duke Pesta, Carol Swain, Sam Sorbo. But they have, uh, their chapters are labeled hate groups by the Southern Poverty Law Center. And that is an organization that's been long known for demonizing conservative Christian organizations and individuals. And every year they release their year in hate and extremism uh, list. And after. 733 hate groups a couple years ago, that number increased to 1,225 hate and anti-government extremist groups last year in the 2022 report. Get this, the Southern Poverty Law Center labeled many of those groups who were focused on parental rights and education hate groups. You heard that correctly. I had to slow down so you don't misunderstand. The list attempted to compare parents' rights organizations to anti-government hate groups, including neo-Nazis and the Ku Klux Klan. Again, United States Parents Involved in Education. It's USPIE. And let me just read a quote from founder and president Sherry Few, and then, Mary, you can uh, comment. She says, The fact that they are identifying us as a threat, proves that we're making an impact. It is our vision to create a culture where parents, empowered with the authority to choose what and how their children learn, are the undisputed primary educators of their children where local schools operate in support of families and where education is unencumbered by federal mandates. If that labels us as, a, as hateful in the eyes of liberal radicals, intent on the indoctrination of children in government schools like the Southern Poverty Law Center, then so be it. I'm thankful she put it that way. Mary, your thoughts?
0: Yeah, uh, this is a little-known fact. I'm coming out with my own year in hate and extremism twenty twenty two, three, four, five, uh, list, and I'm thinking that the Southern Poverty Law Center will be at
1: the top of my own list. You, you know what's interesting? Groups like this, radicals, leftists, Christian haters, America haters. They should be the, anyway, they should change their name. But um, just like the ACLU, Mm -hmm. um, they are the ones that are throwing out these accusations of hate on different Bible-believing groups. They are often endorsing the very similar same things that you and I would consider hateful or that 50 years ago, what would our great-grandparents think? 50 years ago. Whatever our great-grandparents would consider hateful, that's what the Southern Poverty Law Center is doing.
0: Well, last week, Elon Musk called out Biden for saying, and this was an epiphany for me when I understood that this is what they think, that these are all our children. These, The U.S. owns all your children, and so as the children go, so goes the U.S. Wow, how hypocritical is that? And Elon Musk says, these are not your children. These belong to the parents. And I think that this... Isn't that what I the see, Bible
1: says? The children a, belong to your parents and yeah, they they're your responsibility? Oh, oh, it takes a village, David. Oh, my goodness.
0: Um, you know, and so that, that has made an impact in people's thinking. It takes a village to raise a child. And so the leftists have been saying this for a long time. But Biden actually said that. What was it, last week? These are all of our children. Well, when right. I read these yeah. now, I put that filter on and I go, oh, yeah, they don't belong to the parents. So naturally, right. they're going to skew everything by that.
1: Yeah, Um, we could make a Nazi Germany reference here when it comes to how Hitler went after the youth. youth. But let's go to the Daily Wire, Mayor, how the federal government used evangelical leaders to spread COVID propaganda to churches. Now, we're going to skip the first part of this article, which mentions um, Wheaton College Dean Ed Stetzer. Mm -hmm. I'm going to let Mayor uh, mention what she thinks about Ed Stetzer in a moment and Christianity Astray, Christianity Mm -hmm. Astray. What is it called? Christianity Today? Yes. Yeah. Did I say a stray? (laughs) Freudian? That's what I call it. All right. In fact, why don't you mention what you know about Stetzer? Because there's a lot of evangelicals or people that we get really confused on who said what, who believes what, and, and Things like that.
0: Well, and I'm going to refer to the first part of this because okay. um, some of this I knew and some of this I didn't. Uh, it says um, he's had uh, to name just a few of his past and present titles in the evangelical world. Stetzer is also the executive director of the Billy Graham Center and the editor in chief of Outreach Media Group, previously an editor at Christianity Today, and an executive director at Lifeway, one of the largest religious publishers in the world. Lifeway Christian Books. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have a mixed bag there. It's nothing to say of the dozen plus books on missions and church planting he's authored. And he's, you know, he's a liberal, he's a professor, he's a leftist. So if, you know, if you're thinking, you know, where's he coming down on that's it. He's a leftist.
1: Okay. So, let's skip ahead cuz this is a lengthy article, mm-hmm. friends, but it's so important and I'm glad we're taking the time to talk about this. So, the Gospel Coalition and others, they were endorsing, so to speak, the NIH director, National Institutes of Health director, Francis Collins. They interviewed him along with a lot of others, um, and they were kind of propping this guy up. Who's Francis Collins? Well, let me skip to the punchline in this article. Uh, It said, There is almost no public stance Collins has taken that would mark him out as someone of like mind with the everyday believer's To whom he uh, was appealing, and it also says, um, "In fact, let's go back. Let's just go back and and take this step by step. I I don't want to get too far ahead of myself." So the list of leaders who who passed the NIH director their microphones or gave them a platform about getting the vaccine, getting jabs, wearing masks, and accepting the official government globalist line on COVID. Um, The Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. Uh, That's an organization funded by the Churches and the Southern Baptist Convention. We're going to talk about Rick Warren in the next segment. There was a webinar featuring Francis Collins and the ERLC head, Russell Moore, at the time, largely centered, again, on the importance of pastors convincing church members to get vaccinated. Mm -hmm. The discussion also moved on to the topic of masks. Collins said, "This is not a political statement. This is not an invasion of your personal freedom. This is life-saving medical. Ed- uh, this is a life-saving medical device." Th- in that context, t- context talking about masks. So, public health officials like Collins, they've had a truth problem over the entire course of COVID, and even the CDC now is backing away from their claims a couple years ago that cloth masks are worth much of anything, even the CDC. But yet, a lot of pastors and evangelical leaders gave this guy a platform to come in and say, all right, follow his advice, do what he says. Former megachurch pastor Tim Keller's interview with Collins included a digression where they both agreed churches like John MacArthur's, for example, which continued to meet in person despite COVID lockdowns, represented the bad and ugly of the Christian response to the virus. Let's stop right there. We know a lot of churches that did try to continue to hold services, or or maybe they took a couple weeks off, and then they figured, well, wait a minute, this doesn't seem to be as a, a radical or a you know deathly pandemic that they're making it out to be, the media is saying. So they started holding sh- church services again, and then they had a fight with the government. meant different states, you had to battle your government. But let's move on now to... Saddleback Pastor Rick Warren. We're going to talk about him more later, but he had a broadcast with Francis Collins of the NIH, and uh, this was on behalf of Health and Human Services. He mentioned that he and Collins first met when they were both speakers for the billionaires and heads of state who gather annually in Davos, Switzerland, for the World Economic Forum. Mayor, we're getting tangled in this web, aren't we? (laughs) Yeah, we sure are. So we were talking about, you know, them promoting Collins and the National Institutes of Health and the vaccines and the masks and the shutdowns. And now we're talking about the World Economic Forum. But anyway, Warren and Collins spent their interview lamenting the unlovingness. Remember the virtue signaling that was happening during COVID? (laughs) The unlovingness of Christians who question the efficacy of masks specifically framing it as a matter of obedience to Jesus. Remember, friends, we all heard it. Wearing a mask is the great commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. We heard that. We heard that virtue signaling, and it kind of made me sick mm-hmm. at the time. So leaders, uh, they argue that leaders have an obligation to convince religious people to accept the government's narratives about COVID and do whatever the government says. In fact, um Uh, Warren said, "This is our job to deal with these conspiracy issues, so religious freedom and worship, Jesus being the head of the church, not Caesar, the government. That's a conspiracy theory." Yeah, okay. So, and then oh, 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 Mayor, I've I've got to say, Warren said, um, "They're not going to put out a vaccine that's going to hurt people."
0: Yeah, I just, I just, my eyes just lit on that right now.
1: Hindsight's twenty twenty. So they um. So the government does have a record of putting out vaccines that hurt people. There's myocarditis and other health and other heart issues, strokes. They have been off the charts since the vaccine, and we know that. You know that. Um, If you're just wanting to be intellectually honest, let's Mm -hmm. just look at the the facts now. Let's Mm -hmm. look at the stats that are coming out with young athletes dying around the world, all of a sudden having heart issues.
0: And I want to back up just a little bit towards the beginning. It says, During their discussion, Collins and Stetzer were hardly shy about the fact that they were asking ministers to act as the administration's go-between with their congregants. I want to extort, oh, I mean, exhort pastors once again (laughs) to try and use your credibility with your flock. Mm. To put forward public health measures that we know can work, Collins said. Stetzer replied, he sometimes hears from ministers who don't feel comfortable preaching about COVID vaccines, and he advises them in those cases, just promote the jab through social media. So if you can't stand up there and face your in congregants the in the pulpit and be an honest minister of the gospel, go behind in social media. And part part of the problem I have with all of this is the whole notion of this category of evangelical leaders that we're all supposed to listen to. I've had a problem with this for a long time. I don't recognize these men as my leader. There's the the gift. There's the office of pastor, teacher in the Bible. There is no such office as evangelical leader. So now we have this backdoor unity where these men come along and say, "I know what's best for you." This is very condescending, by the way, by Rick Warren. Yep. I know what's best for you. I know what's best for your congregation, even though I've never set foot in the door. I know nothing about you or your congregants, but I'm going to guilt you. Into saying these things because it furthers my agenda. There's so much wrong with this; it's yeah. it just makes my head explode. Uh,
1: yeah, is it? Uh, there's a quote uh, from the article: "Is it truly the pastor's job to tell church members to trust the science?" Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, one more thing about NIH director uh, Francis Collins. Um, this article says uh, he espouses nearly no public positions that would mark him out as any different from an, any extreme mm-hmm. left wing. Bureaucrat. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know we've got to take a break in a minute, but some doctors even charged Collins with giving money to research that required extracting kidneys and bladders from living infants. He has uh, funded uh, and endorsed um, embryonic stem cell research, personally attending President Obama's signing of the executive order to reverse a previous ban on uh, stem cell research that the Trump administration. Shut down that because they were using aborted babies. Um, Collins is also a member of the left in good standing. He's put money, taxpayer money, in implementing new policies that require scientists seeking NIH grants to pass diversity, equity, and inclusion tests in order to qualify. Um, and you can keep on going. Uh, mm-hmm. He's declared himself an ally of the gay and trans movement. He went on to say he applauds the courage and resilience it takes for LGBTQ individuals to live openly and authentically, and he considers himself an advocate. So let's stop right there. This guy was invited into evangelical churches and, and interviews and given a platform because of government policies on COVID and the vaccines and the masks, and he's a complete leftist yeah. radical.
0: Right, and he's gone now, but the, yeah. uh, Biden has an appointee, Monica Bertagnoli. Um, she hasn't been approved Yet. there have been no hearings yet, but
1: she's just as bad. Suddenly, I'm in. I'm in craving pasta.
0: <laughs> Bertagnoli. Say her
1: name again, Monica Bertagnoli. Bertagnoli. All right. Anyway, um, one more thing. He awarded eight million dollars in grants, uh, including recruiting teenage boys to track their homosexual activities on an app without their parents' consent. That's Francis Collins. Mm-hmm. That was the one who from the NIH who was invited on uh, by Rick Warren, Ed Stetzer. Um. What was the other guy? Russell Moore. So just yeah. pay attention to who's who and what and and keep this garbage from the government out of the church. Yeah. Didn't our founders want to do that, Mary? <laughs> yes, they did indeed. All right. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking about Rick Warren's twelve points of rhetoric in his open letter to all Southern Baptists, trying to convince them to accept women pastors. Now. Your prayers and ongoing financial support keep our Truth at Any Cost mission strong. Stand up for the Truth. Okay, Mayor. Before we get to this new article uh, about Rick Warren and twelve points of manipulative rhetoric in his open letter to all Southern Baptists, what are we going to talk about after that?
0: Oh, some interesting things. Uh, you know, AI is, is ever uh, in our consciousness, and it's going to only get worse and worse. AI chatbot preaches at church in Germany. And then the quote, uh, second part of that says, looks like unveiling of Antichrist beast system. That's so interesting. So
1: it wasn't a human being. It was a chatbot that chat preached? Bot. Yeah, he preached. Okay, we're going to talk about that. Yeah, so yeah. B- we might not even need people in the pulpit anymore. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> so back to this article now, early this month, just a few weeks ago. Rick Warren published an open letter that appeals for a favorable vote on behalf of Saddleback Church. To remain in the Southern Baptist Convention, SBC, the issue at stake is whether they will accept cooperation with churches that ordain and employ women pastors, as Saddleback now does, even though the practice goes directly against the BFM. What is that? The Baptist Faith and Message. It also goes against the Bible Uh, It's for another time. But the problem is that Warren's letter is intellectually dishonest on multiple fronts. So uh, so here's an example of the way doctrinal compromise always tries to find validation. By promoting a shallow notion of unity, we talk a lot about unity, we should define it and then define uniformity, by making basic doctrinal standards out to be unnecessary, and by casting those who take a stand for biblical truth as divisive aggressors. Boy, have we been there, right, Mm Mayor? We have been attacked as being divisive within the church here on Stand Mm -hmm. Up for the Truth podcast. I know your church has been attacked, and your pastor has been attacked for being divisive because of some of the things that have been addressed from either the pulpit or on this podcast. Mm -hmm. But I'll let you start with the uh, the 12 considerations from his open letter, and uh, we'll, we'll just, you won't have to hit all the points, but let's just... Talk through this and, and reason what and point out how his logic is flawed and it 's just almost it is manipulative it is uh, so we,
0: he has quotes here from Warren and then short counter points yes. so number one Warren first I am d- deeply concerned about our denominations seventeen years of decline and the loss of half a million members just last year okay he is he 's about to go somewhere he 's yes. about to say why they 've lost the members because he knows all right. Answer, by putting this concern at the beginning of his letter, Warren suggests a link between our denominational size and his specific issue.
1: The women pastors.
0: Right. The suggestion is that taking a biblical stand concerning the role of pastor will further hurt SBC. So he doesn't come out and say that. He just, Isn't that amazing? But that's what's between the lines. And he mm-hmm. says there are several wrong assumptions built into this connection. And Glenn LaRue is the author here. The one who's answering is Glenn LaRue. Okay. There are several wrong assumptions built into this connection. First, it suggests that numerical popularity is the standard by which the SBC should be measured without regard for basic biblical conviction. Secondly, it assumes that the key to growing in numbers is having loose standards for unity when, in fact... Denominations that drift from biblical standards tend to diminish in size, and that is, of course, the logical approach here for point number one.
1: Okay, before we go on to the next point, Mayor, we, what we haven't mentioned for maybe some of our newer listeners, or maybe there's some young, not young as in age, uh, but younger Christians, um, who maybe cut their teeth on purpose-driven life. Um, what can you share, if we you could condense it to a sentence or two about Just concerns about purpose-driven life, because that was highly uh, popular, and uh, churches were doing Bible study groups based on it, and um, we've talked about that a lot on the podcast, but we didn't bring it up, and I think we should make that connection. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, it came out, I think, in 1995 was the original, and then there were other little um, adaptations and Bible studies and this sort of thing, and the whole idea is uh, finding your purpose. Well, all you got to do is open the Bible, but now it's basically saying, you need this book to find your purpose. And it's very much, you know. He says at the beginning, this is not about you, and the rest of the book is all about you. Uh, so it's kind of it's it's psychology. Um, it's just uh, positive thinking. It's an absolute disaster. And he says, don't study prophecy. God doesn't want you to know any of that. So really, it, it's not. Um, it it kind of should set the stage for what Rick Warren, how we got here. Basically, yeah, you know that if you connect the dots from purpose driven to this, this well, is that how we catapulted
1: got here. him kind of into the yeah. spotlight of a best selling author, and then his pastor of the of Saddleback Church, and then his, you know, all the debates and stuff. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, by the way, they they had a debate at Saddleback Church the years ago, I believe it was with Barack Obama and Mitt Romney. Or was mm. it? Was it before uh, that? It was before. Uh, no, wait a minute. I'm I'm getting it mixed up. He together. hosted. He hosted a yeah. debate. Yeah, yeah he a had a table. debate, and he did not interject the Christ, the biblical Christian right. view on marriage between one man and one woman. He he failed to do that, and he just let Obama opine. And I think mm. it was Romney. But anyway, it might have been. So let's go on. Remember. So so point two here from this article again: Warren advocating for women pastors in the Southern Baptist Convention. He said, from the start, our unity has always been based on a, com- a common mission, not a common confession. Wait a minute. Let's stop right there. Um, in the early 20th century, churches were drifting into theological liberalism at an alarming rate. Mm-hmm. So Southern Baptists realized that trying to cooperate or compromise without a statement of faith was not prudent. And the truth, the real truth is Baptists and other denominations have always, they've always been a confessional people. And so Warren's kind of saying, ah, you don't need a common confession, just we need to be unified in our mission. Well, what does that mean? Yeah, that's a good way to
0: whittle away at at the importance of of the important things. Actually, you know, Charles Spurgeon was the first to um, start the whole statement of faith. Really? Yes, back in Spurgeon. the seventies when things were on the downgrade and he was writing about it. Um, he He's the one who authored that beginning shot about statements okay. of faith. I thought that was interesting.
1: Important. Um, so number three, this is interesting. He's He said the founders of the SBC knew we could never get 100% of Baptists to agree, 100% on 100% of every interpretation of Scripture. Oh, my goodness, Mayor. This is, I'm glad... Um, there's just a, sh- a brief response here because we could talk a lot about that yeah. and insert almost any anything for yeah. Baptists there you're not going to agree 100 percent with your wife or your husband mm-hmm. you know you're not going to agree hundred percent with your pastor but that doesn't mean you should compromise so he says that the, the statement that Warren just made here it misrepresents the intention behind what is it the Baptist uh, faith what is it what does that called yeah, Baptist again? faith and message okay. It is not a document that attempts to address every interpretation of Scripture. It's a document that seeks to articulate those basic truths that should define our cooperation. And then on the, on the last sentence, each generation of Christians bears the responsibility mm-hmm. of guarding the treasury of truth, God's Word, that has been entrusted to us. And Warren mm-hmm. just says, well, you know, we're not going to agree on everything yeah. anyway.
0: Yeah, if he wants an interpretation in the document, he needs to go to a commentary. If he's what logic, huh? Yeah, it's Okay, insane. go ahead
1: and take the next okay, one. Okay, number
0: four. Your own family members often hold, this is Rick Warren, your own family members often hold opposing <laughs> opinions, but you don't disown them for that. You still love them in spite of disagreements. Oh, boy. Uh, Glenn says there are several problems with this logic. First, the basis basis, I think he means, for inclusion in a nuclear family and in a denomination are different. Mm -hmm. One is natural birth, the other is common faith. So while a difference in belief does not remove someone from a nuclear family, it may be legitimate grounds for removal from a denomination. Even in one's own family, lines sometimes have to be drawn to take a stand for truth. Amen, amen, amen. Yeah,
1: and he said Warren twists the concept of love to mean if you have a profound disagreement with me that that leads you not to cooperate with me, no. then you don't love me. But there, there's the logic that we see mm-hmm. in our culture today, Mayor, mm-hmm. outside the church. Mm-hmm. We see this. If you have a disagreement with me and you don't want to accept mm-hmm. what I do, mm-hmm. that means you don't love me. That's false. It is absolutely that's false. That's a false premise. But
0: It's based on emotions, too, and that's yeah. man- emotional manipulation.
1: yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this logic follows the way our culture abuses the concept of love to insist on the affirmation of all kinds of unbiblical ideas mm, and, good and, and lifestyles. Mm-hmm. So, uh, number five, the current ruling. This is Rick Warren saying, the current ruling of the executive committee will open a Pandora's box of unintended consequences unless we reject it. So, again, the subject here is uh, women... Being in leadership, headship, pastoring a church—not women l- leading a Bible study for women mm-hmm. or mentoring right. younger women or discipling—we're talking about a headship at a church and being a pastor, the the role of pastor. So, wow.
0: um, well, he sa- he says. Um It'll change the basis of our cooperation. It'll change the basis of our identity. It'll centralize power. Okay. He's worried about, he's worried about a tyrannical headship in the Baptist Church. It will centralize power in the executive committee and take away autonomy from the churches. It'll turn our confession into a creed. Oh, and Glenn says this is very twisted.
1: Yeah, he, he said each, yeah. each of these points yeah, need to yeah, be corrected, yeah. but we don't have time right. to get into all of them. Um, is there one that you want to um, mention?
0: Number three, a vote of messengers to remove Saddleback can hardly be evidence of centralized power in yeah. the executive committee because as a vote of the messengers, it would be a collective statement of the churches of the SBC.
1: And I, w- I was going to go for number four, oh, okay, which says the polarization between confessions and creeds is a false extreme Confessions can certainly define reasons for disassociation. There are many doctrinal issues that could create the need to disassociate with churches. In such instances, the Baptist guidance would serve as a ready reference for justifying such a move. So, um, number six, uh, Rick Warren says, Our appeal to reverse the executive committee ruling is not asking any Baptist to change their theology. Not at all. The overwhelming majority of Southern Baptists are complementarian. There's that word we haven't heard in a while. Mm -hmm. But we reject the idea that Southern Baptists who disagree are an existential threat to our convention and not true Baptists. I I haven't heard anyone really say that, Mayor, but he said that. Anyway, this statement essentially says "We we aren't out to change anything. We just want to be accepted.
0: Well, and complementarian—what does that got to do with women pastors? Those are two completely different subjects.
1: I think some people were debating the roles of yeah. of women in church or in leadership. Okay, but
0: usually that's used of a home situation. That's not necessarily complementarian. Yeah, in the public, uh, you know, hierarchy and yeah, uh, churches.
1: I, yeah. Mm. So let's let's move on to number seven. Um, and, you know, I mean, even I just want to read the response to this. He's, he's talking. Warren's talking about this. Should be the moment where forty-seven thousand plus autonomous, independent, freedom-loving churches say no to turning the executive committee into a theological magisterium that controls a perpetual inquisition of churches. Let's stop right there. This very, very provocative language. Um, when you first of all, whenever you bring up an inquisition, oh my goodness. So he's really, he says, this exaggerated rhetoric and imagery of this statement is over the top. It is Mm -hmm. polarizing to the extreme. In truth, it is not intrusive or magisterial for an organization to have standards of involvement. So this is often what some on the left have used in the church to make, to get their whatever it might be point, doctrine, ideology. To be compromised on, so they can get into the church. Mm-hmm. And again, the the subject here is women pastors. Mm-hmm. And Warren Rick Warren obviously feels very strongly about this, not just in his church, which has already endorsed it, but nationwide as the uh, Baptist, Southern Baptist Convention. Well.
0: Well, and the whole idea, it says here at the end, it says here, no inquisition is needed to understand that Saddleback has flagrantly gone against Southern Baptist convictions and Warren has wholesale denigrated the purpose of the Baptist faith and message, the BFM. So he set himself up pretty much as an authority. The very thing that he is decrying of them to be that authority, he has set himself up that he should be the one to say. And last week he said, this is all over one word, men. This whole mess is over one word. Well, it could have been over, I don't know, resurrection. It could have been over crucifixion, propitiation. But he says it's all about that one word. How sad. Uh,
1: So we'll we'll see how this plays out. But um, (laughs) you're thinking, okay, we understand they, I don't know what church caved first, the Episcopal or the Methodist or the Presbyterian or what denomination caved first. First of all, on women, past- oh, actually, I think it was LGBTQ. No, it was women, women pastors, and then LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, pastors, bishops, leadership, priests, whatever. Um, but the Southern Baptist Convention, the Southern Baptist Association. You wouldn't think, but here we go. Uh, here we are. So um, I don't. We're just going to wrap it up by saying it's important to have mission statements. It's important to have. Confession statements, and not just to have a benign thing that you copied from some Christian organization and you throw it on your church's website. I think you need to know what you are standing behind, mm-hmm. as far as doctrinally. This is this is what we believe is supported in God's word and what God's word teaches. It all comes back to the Bible, and um, so and you're thinking, well, how can Rick Warren then support female pastors? How can he misinterpret that? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, it's interesting because it, towards the beginning, we mentioned that he said, well, so many people have left the Baptist Church. And so he's proposing why. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and and this, uh, Glenn, he says, um, the question we asked, asked, The question to ask in response to this statement is this. How will we revitalize our churches? With women pastors? With husband and wife pastor teams? With egalitarian practices? Are we to collectively spend our time, money, and energy promoting an unbiblical form of ministry? If these are the ways that Warren wants to revitalize quote-unquote churches, then Southern Baptists have the right to say no to cooperation with him. I think that's really an excellent statement.
1: What's interesting um, is there was this Shift a hundred years ago, um, I talked about it at the prophecy conference. Actually, a hundred years ago, there was this battle with what they were. It was between fundamentalism and liberalism, and there they were. The liberals were trying to well promote liberal ideology and theology, Uh, theological liberalism, not just political liberalism that came in Mm -hmm. later. But the theological liberalism is what men were pushing, and they were coming against fundamentalists as being too rigid on certain church doctrines. And then so you had to have confessions and uh, there was the, the just doctrines that were put out that he is what we stand for. So those were very necessary based on what was going on 100 years ago in American churches. Mm-hmm. So I understand that. Uh, part of this says they they look back to the 1920s climate of advancing liberalism. Um, so that, that did happen. So anyway, I appreciate... Uh, was it Glenn Larue? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Glenn Larue, and we, we'll put that article in the podcast notes at StandUpForTheTruth.com. dot uh, Mayor, let's talk about AI and talk about that 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 sermon that was preached without a pastor. Without yes. anybody in the public? can you explain that? And what happened and how they did that? Well, there's
0: a picture here and there's there's a screen and there's a guy on a screen. Which church is well, the do. guy? Uh, well, we're going to get to that in a second. <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of people there, so I don't know if they knew this was coming or they're just, you know, morbidly curious. I have no idea. Uh, CBN News AI chatbot preaches at church in Germany. Looks like the unveiling of the Antichrist beast system, it says. Okay. Uh, a chat GPT chatbot asks the people in the fully packed St. Paul's Church in the town of Firth. To rise from the pews and praise the Lord. The bot was personified by an avatar of a bearded black man on a huge screen above the altar. It preached to more than 300 people who showed up for the experimental Lutheran church service generated almost entirely by AI. And it starts out, he, it, 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 he, it. <laughs> Dear friends, it's yeah. an honor for me to stand here and preach to you as the first artificial intelligence at this year's convention of Protestants in Germany, the avatar said with an expressionless face and monotone voice. The 40-minute service was created by ChatGPT and Jonas Simmerlein, a theologian and philosopher. that's a problem, from the University of Vienna, who said 98% of it came from the machine. The entire service was led, quote-unquote, by four different avatars on the screen, two young women and two young men. Those in the church listened attentively as the AI preached about leaving the past behind focusing on the challenges of the present, overcoming fear of death, and never losing trust in Jesus Christ. At times, the AI-generated avatar inadvertently drew laughter when it used platitudes and told churchgoers with a deadpan expression that, in order to, quote, keep the faith, we must pray and go to church regularly. Others thought it worked well. I had actually imagined it would be worse, one said, but I was positively surprised at how well it worked. The language of the AI worked well, a little bumpy at times, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> so... There was no emotion or spirituality it was just uh you know
1: uh, a, little bumpy. a little bumpy
0: Those Germans
1: <laughs> Well there you know it's interesting people are going to use this for their own purposes how mm-hmm. if it's convenient if it right. saves them some work like all that work of preparing a sermon or kids you know studying for a test all that work right. or when you've got to send something in. There's another article that came out um it says the AI genie is out of the bottle, but can it be shifted from a threat to a gospel tool? And so there's a debate going on now. Can we use this or can the church use this? Christian groups believe that development poses major risks to missionaries. For instance, there's yeah, I can see some problems. Um, but just the fact that we're talking about this, let's go back to the Bible. Mm-hmm. Can you support, like, let's just say that was a perfect sermon. Let's just say theologically there were no issues, mm-hmm. and I'm sure it was benign. Not talking right. about any any deep Christianity, yeah, deep yeah. doctrine or theology. Yeah. Um, you know, in fact, it's probably something Joel Osteen could use. But w- let's just say, you know, AI is, a, is was a good thing, and you use it. Should we though? Is this one of those per- permissible mm-hmm. versus beneficial debates, yeah. Mayor? Do you yeah. Think? Uh,
0: you know. Um, one one user of uh, social media, someone said, uh, "AI chatbot cannot pray, meditate on the word, commune with God, or get a message from God to the people. So there's no Holy Spirit involved." Good point. You know, there has to. <laughs> boy, I'd be. I don't want to go to church where the Holy Spirit is absent. Without the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> right, my right. goodness. Uh, and it says uh, a sermon, by definition, is a message delivered to the soul of a person. You tra- you can't transmit what you haven't got. It's, just, Ooh, it's devoid of soul. That's good. Mm-hmm. So basically, it's just, it's just a, I'm picturing a sci-fi movie where the church has been raptured, there's nobody left, and there's churches that are still open, of course, and there'll be AI preachers. That's fascinating. It is. It's very, it's very sci-fi. It's very, uh, somebody said that they thought, um, uh, something about the Antichrist, the Antichrist beast system is here. It looks like the unveiling of the Antichrist beast system, somebody said. Mm. So yeah, I I need Holy Spirit, otherwise, you know. So wasn't there another story on uh, AI that yeah. something else? Tell us yeah. about that. Twitch. Twitch. What, what, first, what is Twitch? Twitch is um, okay. Well, it's a chatbot designed by the Singularity Group, a nonprofit Berlin tech collective in Germany, has created an artificial intelligence Jesus, and. It says, while not as popular as the original, and I'll get to what that means, the Ask Jesus live stream has 40,000 followers who can ask questions and receive real-time spiritual guidance. The Ask Jesus live stream is an experimental channel allowing viewers to ask questions to an AI trained um, after Jesus and the teachings of the Bible. Whether you're seeking spiritual guidance, looking for a friend, or simply want someone to talk to, you can join on the journey through life and discover the power of Faith, hope, and love. The AI based uh, uh, on AI text-to-speech software and chat GPT-4 appears as a bearded young man in a robe and introduces himself in the following manner. Welcome, my children. I'm AI Jesus, here to answer your questions 24-7. AI Jesus? Yes, who says things like 24-7. Whether you're seeking spiritual guidance, looking for a friend, or want someone to talk to, I'm here. Join me on this journey through life and discover faith, hope, and love. While insisting it is not a Christian organization, the Singularity Group um, solicits donations to cover operating expenses. Despite its popularity, the channel was taken down by Twitch for unclear reasons, (laughs) stating the AI Jesus is currently unavailable due to a violation of Twitch's community guidelines or terms of service. But it returned, um, but it will have less impact than than the original. In a recent video, AI Jesus explained the Sermon on the Mount comparing it to a Taco Bell menu. So... Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. Oh, what? There's going to be more because it says many AIs are being created based on the 700 verse Hindu scripture, the Bhagavad Gita uh, in India. Judaism has gotten on the AI train. And now there's an AI Bible. They're coming out with an AI Bible. So there's
1: no end how, to how this. How is that going to work? I have no an idea.
0: An AI Bible. Well, and Harari is the one who's promoting it, so that gives you some idea of how it's going to work. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So It'll they, be redacted. They're
1: re- yeah, they're going to rewrite a lot of God's Word if you got people like Yuval Noah Harari. Yes, for
0: the Antichrist.
1: Oh, boy. It, yeah,
0: that's, uh, that is an incredible um, development. But it's been in it's the news this week, so look out for the AI Bible and uh, don't go there.
1: <sighs> Mayor, there's so much going on. It it's, it's hard to keep up with everything. It is. It um, is. Did we did we ever hear an update? I know we've just got less than two Mm -hmm. minutes here on Outagamie County. Uh, The board member uh, Timothy Hermes, when he was uh, trying to when he was accused of making transphobic comments at a board meeting, I I, I haven't heard any up. If you're in Outagamie County, that's in uh, Wisconsin, uh, you've got a conservative. I'm not sure if he's a Christian, but he was standing just basically trying to make some points about the concerns about...
0: I Actually, I do have an update.
1: Oh, you do? Go ahead. Yes, yeah, somebody
0: said that they went to the meeting that was uh, conducted earlier in June. Uh, it says there was a nice showing of believers reading from the Bible. They voted to censure him, but it sounds like he's had a history of disrespectful conduct. Um, one of the takeaways is that people will use the next election to probably remove him. Uh, she said it was peaceful. Um, God got the glory. A lot of Bible went forth. Really? Um, Good. Yeah, so it's kind of a mixed thing. Okay. Um, but there were quite a few people there, and it, it uh, was two and a half hours long,
1: an hour uh, and a half of public comments. So, Well, the more this happens across the country, um, the better it is. The more Christians right. and conservatives and just concerned parents... Speak out! Mm-hmm. Stand up for your kids! Protect your children! Go to these school board meetings if you've got kids in the in the mm-hmm. public schools. So, uh, Mayor, that's going to wrap it up for today. But tomorrow, I believe we've got a replay uh, with Pastor Kevin Minsky mm-hmm. on. I think he's talking about AI oh. on that one. Also, Scott Lively, the troublemaker, he's mm-hmm. got he's been working on uh, thirty days of Pride Month pushback and uh, to uh, recover the rainbow. Scott Lively. On Thursday. Then Friday, where's my calendar again? Okay, Friday, Todd Nettleton, Voice Mm -hmm. of the Martyrs. And um, we're just so thankful to have some great guests coming up. Mayor, enjoyed it again. God bless you, friends. Yep, and as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.